Our scripture reading for today comes from uh, the book of Acts, and it begins at verse 22, and I will finish at verse 28 today. I think that gives us a good sense of uh, this passage. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. This is the word of God for the people of God. So Paul, on his many missionary journeys, finds himself in Athens. And you have to think of Athens as a university town, right? With a lot of learned people wearing their formal gowns and a lot of people seeking to have a good time. A typical kind of university town. And Paul is encountering uh, these philosophers there in Athens, and he's actually invited to the Areopagus, which, you know, you might think of as something like uh, he's going to the faculty council to talk to them about his different way of living and his different way of seeing the world. Now, you have to understand that Paul has been walking around Athens, and right before this, in this scriptural passage, it's going to say this, uh, that Paul was deeply distressed by uh, the idolatry that he witnessed. So he's seeing symbols and signs throughout the city of Athens that is worshiping idols. And he knows there is one true God, and he wants to try and communicate these things to the very learned community. And there are particularly two strands of philosophy that he's addressing. I won't go into great depth about them. I know you would love to have me do that, but let me simplify. That first he is talking to those who are... It's right here in the scripture. Wow! Now you're going to be shocked. My mind went blank. He's talking to the Epicureans. Thank you very much. I am not an Epicurean. 
And the Epicureans, to put this simply, are people who live uh, according to whatever they find pleasurable and enjoyable. They're the people who live according to uh, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we shall die. And on the other hand, he's talking to the Stoics. And the Stoics are a group of philosophers who believe you need to subdue the emotions, you need to subdue the body, and live according to what is right in your mind. And so we have these two different ways of living in the world. And Paul comes in front of them and says, these are neither good choices. Living according to what we feel like doing or li li living according to what our minds think is the way to live is not going to lead us to the fullness of life at all. Now, I have to pause here and say, just because these were ancient philosophical traditions doesn't mean that these aren't what we see in our society today, because we most certainly do. There's a whole host of people that live according to the principle of whatever feels good to me, whatever I want to do, whatever I like is what I'm going to do. Those are Epicureans. And on the other hand, you have a host of people who are out there saying, whatever I think is right is right. And no one's going to tell me otherwise. I'm using my own thinking. Those are Stoics. You have people who are living according to what they feel and to what they think, very self-centered kind of existence. And, you know, the problem is, if you're living according to what you, what you really uh, think is uh, desirable and in your own best interest, that's not going to get you where you want to be. You're going to be very dissatisfied. I mean, think about the person who's like, oh, oh, I so want a big screen TV. And then you get the big screen TV, and for a day you're sitting back, and, you know, your arms are along the sofa, and you're just le as happy as a clam. And then the next day you're thinking, ooh, I want a new car. You know, feeding, feeding our sort of feeling for enjoyment doesn't work out. I mean, the, all those kids out there, Saturday night, we're not present company accepted. Saturday night, we're going to go out and party it up. And Sunday morning, we feel like some truck ran us over. Seeking to do what we think is going to be enjoyable somehow doesn't lead to the kind of life that is meaningful and satisfying. And on the other hand, there are those people who, whatever I think is right, that's what I'm going to do because I think it, I think it, it must be good, it must be right. And of course, uh, there's a real arrogance that comes with that when you think about how little any human being actually knows. Uh, you know, we have this little sliver of understanding um, you know, uh, Reed, who is actually here, may know an awful lot about landscaping and plants and trees. Ask him uh, something about uh, uh, 
uh, modern artistic expression. And I think Reed would <laughs> acknowledge he ain't got a whole lot to say about the modernists. He's, he's, he, might, he might surprise me, but most of us have a very limited repertoire of knowledge, which is why as we get higher and higher in our education, we specialize on what we study and what we know. So neither of these sort of societal streams of how to live, ways of life, really end up being satisfying and meaningful in the long run. And that's why Paul says that real life is found in this God in whom we live and move and have our being. That without this connection to the one true God, what, what we're really living is a self-centered, individualistic kind of life that is never going to be a life that is fulfilling and full in the way that we would like it to be. In fact, uh, the difference in these philosophies today or these ways of life today and in the past is in the past they were communities of people who followed these ways. Today it's just individuals doing their own thing without any connection to community. And that is really antithetical to everything that Jesus teaches. And so it is that our life in the spirit, our spirituality, becomes the most central part of who we are as human beings. This word spirituality can take on all kinds of different senses and so on, but, but if we focus in on it, uh, we can uh, look at, uh, for instance, one of my uh, favorite contemporary spiritual writers, Ron Rollheiser, would say, you know, our spirituality is about that desire that's planted in the soul and what we do with it. Where are we going to point that deep desire that we have? How are we going to use that deep desire that we have? Because the human being is always filled with desire and longing and supposedly that desire and longing should be for God above all else and before all else else. But I would say it a little bit differently, I think, when we look at spirituality as this connection to and turning to God. Our spirituality is that which animates our lives and integrates our lives. It is that which gives life in the deepest sense of the word, life that is abundant and full, without that spirituality and that connection to the spirit, we are not, we're going to be groping in the dark after an unknown God who is not giving us life. We need the connection to the Holy Spirit, that spirituality in our lives. And I say that it integrates. It is our connective tissue. You know, just as I talk about the spirit, bringing us together as believers into one body. The spirit takes the different dimensions of the human being and organizes them, brings order out of chaos, brings all these dimensions of our human being into 
a right relationship, into living the way we should be living. That is all because of our spirituality. So think of it like this. I know many of us have laptops. A laptop is a beautifully created kind of thing. But unless I take my laptop and I plug it into the electrical outlet and charge it up, all I've got is uh, paperweight. All I've got is um, a nice little lap desk. All I've got is something I can use to like, try and make some muscles by like, curling it. In other words, if we don't plug into the source, if we don't allow that source to fill us and to animate us and to bring everything together to work the way it should, we are not going to be the human beings that we've cre been created to be. We'll exist, but we won't have our being, our fullness, our abundance that comes from our connection to the living God. Now, when I say this, I have to be clear that our spirituality is not the same thing as religion. Religion, a lot of times, goes in directions we wouldn't want it to go. A lot of times our religion does things that are harmful. Our religion hides away in the building. Our religion does things that really aren't life-giving and empowering. Our spirituality is a different kind of recognition of the fullness and the life of God uh, because of and in spite of what our religious systems are doing at any given time. I mean, God exceeds all of these religious systems. If, if you understand, God is greater than all of uh, the ways we try to worship and honor and live a life in God. And that's one of the reasons I think it's super important when you think about uh, children and youth and then young adults who are leaving the church, I don't think half the time they're leaving the spirit. They're yearning for the spirit and they're not finding it in the religious systems in which the rules and the things that they're told you can't do and you have to do, and you, it, it just doesn't seem as life-giving as finding the depths of the Spirit. And so, you know, my encouragement uh, to our uh, children and our youth director is, is always to find ways that the, that the children are connecting with the Spirit, even if they're not sure about the religion, because the Spirit is real and alive and will carry them through life and often bring them back in spite of the things that they don't see that are alive and life-giving in the sort of religious institutional framework. So the spiritual life isn't the same as religious life. But on the other hand, let me flip this upside down and say, you know, you can't individualize spirituality. Oh, you can. But that is highly problematic. So the people who often reject 
religion now turn around and say, well, I can just go walk in the woods, and that's my closest to God. Listen, I love to hike in the mountains, and I feel very connected to God in the mountains, but I need a community of like-minded people who are seeking the Spirit to encourage me, to hold me accountable, to bring me along this journey to a further place. We all need to have that grounding in the community. Look, Jesus, first thing he did was call 12 people together. Jesus was always bringing groups together. The point of our spirituality is learning to live deeply related to one another and not as self self-isolated individuals. So those who go the other way and say, my spirituality is just about me and what I do, no, no, you're not worshiping the living God, not the God who is revealed in Jesus Christ. And so we have this tension and this balance all the time between not equating the spiritual life with the church or our religion, and on the other hand, not ending up being... Uh, individuals who do whatever we want and call that our life connected to God. You know, uh, I saw a, a, a photo of one of the protests in Michigan this week, and there was a lady right in the middle uh, of that photo holding a sign and angry, no mask, angry, and it says, uh, God uh, gave us free will. You can't take it away. And that's their logic for opening up Michigan again, is that I have free will. And, you know, I, I looked at that and I shook my head and I said, bad theology. And I'll tell you why, because our free will is intended to be used to connect to God and others for the good of the whole. The problem with our free will is the Garden of Eden when we say, I want this and I want that and I don't care about anyone or anything else. That is the problem of free will, and thank you for showing it to the world. That's the Garden of Eden when we are looking for this rootedness and groundedness in the spirit that brings us together and makes us care about one another in deeper ways. That is the life of God who created and wove together the whole of creation and loves the whole of God's creation. Every atom and molecule of it. Now, let me add one more thing here. And that is, when I'm talking about spirituality, I want to suggest to you that you might also think in terms of gifts of the Spirit. That when we are connected to God, God works within us to bring out who we are created to be. So, there are different kinds of spirituality that we see exhibited. I mean, for some people, it's about service. That's
that's what they are animated to do. For some people, it's about a deep prayer life. For some people, it's about being in the midst of community. For other people, it's about solitude and silence. There are different ways we express this spirituality, and these are gifts given from God. God raises us up for the purposes of the kingdom and has something that that connects with who we are that is about our spirituality. We honor God in using that gift. We honor God in using our musical gifts. We honor God in using our teaching gifts. We honor God in using our technical gifts. We honor God in serving God, in praying, in doing all the things that we are given to do. Our spirituality expresses itself in these many different ways and makes us one body that can do the work of Christ in the world. So, Pastor Elaine, you ask, how do I know that my spirituality is doing what it should be doing, that I'm connected to God in the ways I should be connected? And I say, I'm glad you asked that. Because it ties into this very day when we celebrate those who have completed studies and graduate from schools. There's a reason we celebrate that kind of thing, and it is that we as human beings are learning and growing across the entirety of our life. You know, think about the human creature for a minute. You know, a of a horse has a baby. Plop is kind of what happens. And then it lays there for a minute, and then it gets up, starts following its mom. By about a year of age, that horse is pretty much a grown-up, an adult. And that's true, eh, maybe some creatures it takes them three years. What is a human one-year-old or three-year-old like? You're going to just like let it go off? Okay, hon, you're on your own now. How old's Parker? Eight. You're going to say, go on now, you're on your own now. You know, I think there's a reason why Jesus doesn't begin his ministry until the age of 30 because that's the age when our brains mature. That's the age when we begin to mature. We have lifelong learning. Our, our minds are learning across our lifetime. Our emotions are learning and growing across a lifetime. And the answer to the question I ask, if you continue to learn and grow in your relationship with God, if you are letting your spirituality uh, be pushed and pulled and shaped and reshaped, if you're letting uh, a little window be opened and a fresh breeze of the Spirit hit you, then you know you are connecting to God and you are on this journey toward the fullness of life. Why do you think that I push you at times in sermons? Not because I'm mean, although some students might think I am. <laughs> but because we're always trying to open a window for the fresh breeze of the Spirit to reach us anew. So, people of God, 
Paul tells us that this is not an unknown God. This is a God who is as close as our very breath. This is a God in whom we can live and move and have our very being, have the fullness of life. This is a God who can animate and bring out in us the fruit of the spirit of joy and peace and love and compassion and all the things that make us such great and wonderful people. So it is for us to seek that spirit, to grow in this spiritual connection, and yes, to share it with so many in the world who are looking for the answer to life. It is in God we live and move and have our being. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.